0: Welcome back to The Author Biz. I'm Stephen Campbell, and this is the show where we deliver the information you need to become the CEO of your author business. For most of us, no matter how much time we have, it's not enough. The pressures of life, jobs, family, friends, and keeping the ship afloat can make it feel like a juggling act with no end in sight. Today's guest, Jim Heskett, has experienced the same thing. But he's developed his own finely tuned methods of keeping the juggling going while running his author business at a pace that allowed him to publish five full-length thrillers and a short story in the past 12 months. He's also publishing his first nonfiction book tomorrow titled The Juggling Author, How to Write Four Books a Year While Balancing Family, Friends, and a Full-Time Job. I caught up with Jim at his home in Boulder, Colorado via Skype, and we discussed some of his tips for growing your author business while juggling everything else going on in your life. Things like creating time to write, technology you can use to streamline your publishing processes, the importance of doing something every single day to move your author business forward, outsourcing, and more. And what I think you'll find is is a pretty interesting show today. Before we get to the interview, I want to take a minute to tell you about Close to the Bones, a thriller anthology featuring stories from authorbiz guests like Martha Carr and Craig Martell, authorbiz listeners like David Behrens, and and there's even one in there from me. My story is titled Catching the Edge. It's an introduction to a new series I'm working on featuring Reggie Carpenter, a Florida-based private investigator. Uh, the plot for my story was actually plotted sort of live on episode 89 of the Taylor Stevens show. Uh, The title of that show was Going From Concept to Story, A Real-Time Example. In that show, I had only an idea for the beginning and nothing else, and Taylor and I fleshed out the plot line for the story in real time, uh, in in what I think was about a 20-minute episode. So, If you're interested, check that out. I'll have a link to that in the show notes. I'm currently working on book two of the Reggie Carpenter series, and I'll release book one when book three is in the editing stage. I want to be able to release the first three books in about six weeks, and unfortunately, I don't write as fast as some of the guests on this show, so I want to have two in the can before I release book one. Anyway, I hope you'll pick up a copy of Close to the Bone from Amazon.com and tell me what you think of Reggie. I'll have a link to the book in the show notes, or you can go to theauthorbiz.com slash Reggie, and that will forward you to the Amazon page. All right, let's get this week's interview going. It begins with me asking Jim Heskett for the single most important skill he's developed to help him juggle family, friends a full-time job, and write five books in the past year?
1: I think the most important skill I've developed is a finely tuned attention to a to-do list. (laughs) I think that um, in order to be successful at juggling a lot of projects and publishing fast, publishing frequently, and publishing quality, is being able to stay on top of all the tasks, being able to Maintain and update a task list, and being able just to stay on top of it, and and know when deadlines are, and hit those deadlines, um, and constantly be making new ones. All
0: right, you're a young guy. What is a to-do list for you? Is it a digital thing or is it a notebook?
1: It's mostly a digital thing. There, um, the main thing I use is an app called Trello. That's T R E L L O, Mm -hmm. and it's a Kanban board style. So what I do is I, I keep one board. For my or one collection of boards for my general to-do list, and my general to-do list has things like different sections like do someday, uh, do later, do next, do now, and done did it already. And so, as when I know I need a new task like contact a cover designer about book X, that goes onto a board like the do later board. And it gets assigned a due date. And then as that gets closer to when it's actually due, it, it gets dragged from the do later to the do next board. So I know that today all I have to worry about is the things on the do now board. But then I also you know spend a few minutes each day or or an hour or so each week moving things from the do later board to the do next board. And that's that's the one big board that I use for my general to do. And then I have a separate set of boards for – my mailing list, a separate set of boards for the books that I'm going to release. And so I know because I have to coordinate all the releases, you know, I have to coordinate um, when the books are going to be published with when I'm going to tell my mailing list with when I'm going to reach out to promotion sites to, you know, when I need to have all those covers and all the editing done. So it's constantly a juggling act of managing all those different things. And the only way that I could do it all without Going crazy would be to have a very detailed and up-to-date to-do list.
0: Now, early on in The Juggling Author, you talk about the speed of your writing and how that's improved over the course of time, where initially the first manuscript, which I don't think was published – took a long time the second one took about half as much time and and you've reached the point where you're a little faster it, do you have now and i'm going back to your trello boards do you have a set schedule that you use for each book so for example if you're in the middle of book three of a trilogy and getting ready to write book one of the next trilogy um do you just move over a new book type series of events through trello to, to set that up
1: yes exactly so for each book I know <clears throat> you know there's there's going to be a set number of tasks that uh, that come with each book like reaching out to the cover designer you know and getting um, a date Getting a, a date window when he or she can do the cover and reaching out to an editor and finding time in that editor schedule and there's going to be things like formatting for create space. You know, there's going to be things like lining up beta readers who will read my second draft to get me feedback. So, yeah, there are definitely a set series of recurring events that happen with each book.
0: OK, let's let's take a step back for a minute. Um your book is called The Juggling Author. What are the different things that you're juggling in your life right now?
1: Well, um, I have a a 40-hour-a-week day job, and I'm married, and I have a two-year-old son who's almost three, (laughs) and I have a cat uh, who doesn't require a whole lot of attention, and I have a dog that I walk twice a day. So these are the main things that I juggle that take up the bulk of my time. And also, in in addition to that, I published books pretty fast. In 2016, I wrote and published 325,000 words of fiction.
0: And what did that equate to? I know because I read your book, but for listeners out there.
1: So that was five novels in my Micah Reed series, a short story follow-up to a different standalone book, and a collaborative novella in Jay Thorne's American Demon Hunter series
0: okay and i am uh, i am a grandparent we have a one-year-old and when he's here we watch him probably a couple days a week when he's here it's all i can do to have a coherent thought how, how do you in the evenings and things like that when when you're trying to have productive time how do you how do you get it done with a toddler racing around <laughs> and, and needing constant attention
1: well, Stephen, it's, it's not easy, that's for sure. Uh, generally between, so he gets picked up from daycare around 5 or 5.30, and then between about 5.30 and 7.30 is family time, and so I don't plan to do anything productive during that time. Basically, my evening productive time is after he goes to bed, mm-hmm. uh, which is after about 8.00, usually after my wife and I put him to bed, she and I spend a little time together, usually watching uh, you know one program on TV. And then I'll have about 45 minutes to myself before bed to actually work on some fiction. So I have to I have to take all of my productive time in bits and snatches throughout the day, you know. And I get up pretty much before everybody else so I can walk the dog and have a little bit of productive time. And I take some productive time at, uh, at my day job, you know, during lunch. Mm-hmm. And then maybe a little bit as soon as I get home from work before we pick him up from daycare. So there's never any point where I have... You know, two straight hours to sit down and work on fiction. It's always in little <laughs> bits and pieces here and there.
0: and And define little bits. I, I mean you you've you've talked in you talk in the books, little bits meaning sometimes twenty minutes, sometimes even less.
1: Yeah, I have to uh, I've gotten pretty good at being able to switch back and forth between different modes, you know, between creation mode and author admin mode and parent mode. And one of the ways that I do that is through mobile tools, you know, mm-hmm. like if I've got Trello on my phone and, uh, I use the mobile Scrivener app for writing. And sometimes if I'm, you know, sitting in, well, not sitting in traffic, but if I'm in the car somewhere, like, uh, if I'm, um, you know, somewhere like at the doctor's office or I'm in a parked car for a few minutes, I can whip out that phone and go into mobile Scrivener and dash off three or 400 words. Now it's, it's certainly uh, better to have a block of uninterrupted time you know, because um, it's, it does take a little bit of mental energy to switch back and forth between tasks. And so if I have an uninterrupted hour, I can certainly get a lot more done than I could in 12 five-minute segments broken up throughout the day. But when you're as busy as I am, you kind of take it where you can get it.
0: How had how did you teach yourself to write in Mobile Scrivener? I I if I had twenty minutes to write in Mobile Scrivener, I'd probably get seven words.
1: <laughs> um, well, it's just a matter of practice. I mean, it's certainly a lot easier in first draft because I'm just typing in, and I don't really like to edit in Mobile Scrivener, you know, because it's just kind of a pain uh, to move the cursor around mm-hmm. throughout the, <laughs> all over the screen. Um, But I also, I usually have my laptop with me. Most places I go, I have a a small MacBook, and so it's really light and portable. Mm -hmm. Um, So I only really write on my phone if I have to. If uh, my laptop is available, um, I'll use that instead. But yeah, to answer your question, it's basically just a matter of practice.
0: Okay. Um, Let's let's talk about some of the themes that you talk about in The Juggling Author uh, include writing fast, or one of the themes includes writing fast. And as we mentioned, your first book took i think if if my if memory serve's correct around two years is that right
1: That's right. the first book I ever wrote uh I never published it because it was uh, it was junky because it was um, the first book <laughs> right <laughs> um it It took me about two years and and a lot of the reason it took me two years wasn't because it was hard to type words into the document. It took me two years, mostly because I wrote about 12 to 15 drafts. I'm not exactly sure how many, but I wrote a lot of drafts. Um, And that was because I just kept thinking of new things to inject into the book. And, you know, I would I would add characters. I would remove characters, add subplots and remove them. And it got to be so crazy that I was keeping like a, a separate document that was a change log of all the different things that I'd changed about the book and it was just nuts and and the second book I wrote which I didn't publish the second book either it took me about half as long because I was starting to see you know maybe just because I think this thing could happen here in chapter 15 Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that it has to happen and then the the third book I wrote which was the first book I published only took me six months because I was starting to get the flow at that point starting to realize you know that If you write five drafts of a thing and then you go back to write a sixth draft, you might get a 5% improvement between drafts five and six. And then if you go back and write a draft seven, you're only going to get, say, a 3% improvement. And when you have all the time in the world, you know, if you don't have a day job and don't have all these other responsibilities, it might be worth it to spend that extra two to three weeks to get a 3% improvement on the draft but when you're as busy as i am and you're looking for efficiency a 3% improvement in your manuscript it's just not worth the time spent for me
0: mm-hmm. now you're the, the the subtitle of the book is juggling family friends a full-time job and writing four plus books a year so is is your writing schedule a, essentially 3 months per book
1: basically yeah and i it's not i don't i don't talk in the book it's not like how to write a book in 21 days i don't tell you exactly what to do on which day because it's not always the same for me. Mm-hmm. It's it's um it depends quite a bit on how long the thing I'm writing is and like I'm just now uh, I just finished the first draft of a of a project in a new series and this this book takes place in Australia uh, and I, I used to live in Australia but I'm definitely not as familiar with it as I am with um, you know my native state of Colorado where most of my books are set. So this one might take me a little longer because I'm having to I'm gonna to have to go back in the second draft and fix a lot of things where I inserted a lot of placeholders for you know street names and localities and people's accents and things that I wasn't as familiar with. So with with that 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 three month turnaround, Basically, it comes down to and I don't really talk in the book about how to move your fingers on the keyboard quickly mm-hmm. There there's some other books like Chris Fox's um, 5,000 words an hour and Rachel Aaron's 2k to 10k Which describe how to do that a lot better than I can, but I've basically come up with a system That yeah enables me to write three drafts in about three months and it's usually faster than that because in, in 2016 you know, I, I published five full novels, so it was definitely uh, less than three months for that.
0: Mm-hmm. One of the examples that you gave in the book, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get this wrong, so you can correct me. But essentially, you, you gave an example, I, th- I think a work related exa- example of someone explaining how work expands to fill the time that you have. So if if you're a writer with a lot of time. Maybe it's really easy to do multiple drafts because you want the book to be perfect or you're just not happy with this one scene and you're just, you know, you never finish. But you're in a situation where your time is so limited that you just can't do that. And to a certain extent, that's proven to be a benefit for you.
1: Yeah, that's right. I don't really have time to navel gaze and and think so much about uh, the existential crisis of whether or not a scene works. It's either uh, it's either going to work, I'm going I'm to force it into, into a box so that it works, or I'm going to excise it, I'm going to kill that darling. And that, that example, um, there's, it's a, uh, a, um, a business principle, and I can't remember the name of it, yeah, but it's essentially that your efficiency expands and contracts based on the perceived deadlines and the amount of work you have. Because I've, you know, I get um, maybe throughout the day about two hours to work on my fiction total. Mm-hmm and there've been times when i've you know taken vacation days from work and i've just had a staycation and spent that time writing and i certainly don't get 4 times as much done with 8 hours <laughs> as i do with 2 hours it's just no way there's if i'm going to have all day long to work on something then my brain is going to say it's okay you can go you can go spend 30 minutes on twitter looking for funny tweets or you can go browse around facebook and see mm-hmm. what that guy from high school is up to now There's just there's just not a way there's not that perceived deadline, that time crunch. And, you know, Stephen, I'm no I'm no fan of deadlines. I don't enjoy the physical discomfort they cause me when I'm worried about missing a deadline. But boy, are they effective.
0: I I, as you were talking, I was thinking back to when I was working and I, I would look on a Monday at all that I've got to get done by the end of the week. And typically I'd get three quarters to 80% of it done. But if I'm going on vacation that Saturday, it all gets done. And even, <laughs> if, even if I get nothing done until Friday, it somehow all gets done before I leave on vacation. And yeah, I'm sure absolutely. it's the same for everybody out there listening. Uh, having, having the deadline, you're right, it, it does add some pain to your life, but it, it gets things done.
1: Yeah because if if everything is nebulous then there's no reason to put pressure on yourself. Like one of the things that I um that I've advised people who say that they're feeling burned out on their writing or they need a break, I would say, you know, if you're if you need to go away for the weekend and you're going to go camping and you're not going to bring any technology then set a firm date for when you're going to start writing again. You know, don't say, well, I'll just get back to the office on Monday and we'll see how things go and I'll get back to writing maybe some point later in the week. I would say, you know, set, okay, I'm going to go out of town for the weekend, then on Monday I'm going to be busy at work, but Monday night I'm going to resume I'm going to resume focusing on my Mm -hmm. fiction. Because if if the date is vague or the date is nebulous, then you're much more likely to push it out because it's inconvenient.
0: How important is consistency in your writing practice?
1: I think it's critical. Uh, I use a writing tracker app on my phone. Well, not a writing tracker, but I use a goal tracker app on my phone, and it goes by Jerry Seinfeld's productivity (laughs) method of don't break the chain, Mm -hmm. um, which if your listeners aren't familiar with that Uh, wise comedian Jerry Seinfeld came up with this this, uh, this idea when he was trying to motivate himself to write comedy. It was that he got a giant wall calendar. He taped it up in his apartment and he set himself a goal that he was going to write comedy every day. He was going to write jokes every single day. And so when he wrote on a day, he would mark a giant X on the calendar. And then when he wrote the next day, he would mark a giant X. And as you start to string days together, you draw a line through those X's to make a chain. And so then the goal becomes don't break the chain. So I just, uh, you know, I'm a technology person, so I don't have a giant calendar in my house. But I have an app on my phone called Goal Streaks, and I've been making X's now for 1,500 days, closer wow. to 1,600.
0: And, and so yeah. what, what qualifies you to put an X in for today, for example? So
1: I've had the app set. Uh, the app set that if I hit six out of seven days, I get credit for the whole week. Okay. And most days I had seven days and that's not necessarily always writing fiction. It just it's something for my author business. You know, some days it may be that I will sit down and finalize a draft of an email that goes out to my mailing list. Some days it might be reaching out to five different promotional sites to ask for a spot in their newsletter. It's just got to be something positive for my author business. And I, I give myself a little leeway. You know, some things don't count if it's just that I'm going to think about my story on the commute to work. Mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't count that. Um, but it has to be something positive for my author business.
0: Do you ever get to half hour before bedtime and you go, Oh man, I've got to get something done.
1: (laughs) Not usually. Um, usually it doesn't go that long in the day before I've done something. And now it's been, that's over four years of this streak, uh, now I have, I'm so indebted to the streak, I just can't let it down. I, I mean I wish I could do well enough on my exercise every day and eat healthy every day streaks, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I certainly don't have four years in a row on those streaks. Um,
0: I, I, lo- I love the idea. I love the, the – what did you call it again? The Seinfeld something? Si-
1: don't break the chain.
0: Okay, don't break the chain. All right, what's a typical day look like for you?
1: Typical day is I'm up at 5 o'clock, and I walk the dog and eat breakfast. Uh, usually I eat breakfast first and during that eat breakfast time is when I'll usually do my first, my first bit of my author business. And that's usually things like checking on to see if a mailing list email is going to go out today to double check and make sure it doesn't have typos, make sure the links all work because I've sent out emails with bad links to thousands of people before. (laughs) And then anytime I do that, I'm like, okay, I just got to buckle down and prepare to, to respond to hundreds of emails over the next few days. Um, and be like responding to fan emails. Usually in the morning, I'm not feeling at my creative best, so I'll usually do admin stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Then I walk the dog. Then usually get my son up and make him breakfast, and then he's off to daycare. And then I commute to work. And usually on the way to work, I'm listening to either audiobooks or podcasts, such as the Author Biz.
0: <laughs> Thanks for the and
1: <laughs> um, then you know I'm at my day job and. I really like my day job. I work for a small software company in Boulder, Colorado, and I work in learning design, which means I'm creating um, user documentation for our customers. So I get to write for a living. Uh, It's not fiction, but I get to be creative at my work. And so that's I I do enjoy that. And then I have a lunch break. um, That's an hour. And I will usually write fiction on my lunch break. And that's a good pretty good chunk because there's some quiet spots in the office where I can go be alone. and. Okay, and so work you don't and,
0: leave the office and go to a Starbucks or something. You just find a, a a quiet place where you can focus.
1: Yeah, every everybody at my day job knows that I'm an author. So if they see me in the lounge with my laptop, they usually just give me my space. <laughs> oh, cool. And then, you know, there's the afternoon at work and then I have the commute home and I usually listen to podcasts or audiobooks on the way home. Then I get usually about an hour after work before it's time to go get my son from daycare. And so that hour is, is pro, pro, uh, productivity time. Usually I'm writing or editing or doing something for my author business. Then I have family time. Uh, then we put the son to bed. Then I have uh, wife time where we watch a little bit of TV together usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's maybe 45 minutes after family time where I work on my fiction. And then it's off to bed and I usually budget – about a half an hour before bed to read fiction because that's, you know, I've cut a lot of things out of my life. I don't really play video games. I don't binge watch TV aside from the stuff I watch with my wife, but I do insist on reading fiction every single day.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm with you on that. I've cut, I won't say all the I watch a lot of sports, but I I think we're down. My wife and I are down to like one show that we watch now regularly Mm. and that's it. So maybe one or two shows a week, um, some sports on the weekend and reading. I I just you can carve everything out of your life if if you're a lifelong reader except for that reading thing.
1: Yeah, um, one of the sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. One of the one of the big things I did was I took all of the casual games off my phone. Uh you know, all those tappy tappy games. I just mm-hmm. deleted them off my phone. So that time where I would have been at, you know, at at the doctor's office waiting for an appointment or somewhere where I would have just whipped out my phone and played some pointless game to rack up, you know, virtual coins. That time is either spent looking at the Kindle app, so I'm reading fiction, or I take out the Mobile Scrivener app and write. And that's really, if I had the casual games there, I would probably play it because I'm pretty much a technology addict. Um, But because they're not there, I don't really have any choice other than to either read or write fiction when I have those spare few minutes of somewhere where I've got nothing to do.
0: Now, because I'm not as disciplined as you and not able to turn on a dime in terms of focus the way you are, I use reading fiction a lot of times. Uh, I'll be working on something, and if it's time to shift into writing mode or creative mode for something, I'll go read for 10 minutes, and it just resets my mind, and then I'm able to start over again. Do you Mm -hmm. use reading in in any way like that, or is it just like a, a day closer for you?
1: Um, it sort of depends on how excited about the book I'm reading is
0: <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I, I certainly read every night before bed, but mm-hmm. if I've got a book that I'm, uh, extremely hooked on, then I will probably sacrifice some other times I could have been productive to, to read it if I'm just that excited about the book. And lately I've been, um, reading, I read, uh, been reading all of Chris Fox's book, like books like right to market and launch your novel. Mm-hmm. And so I'm learning a lot about reading in my genre for specific things. You know, I write thrillers, and I've always enjoyed reading thrillers, but now I've been reading with a lot more purpose in my genre, uh, because Chris talks about different ways that you can read through books to find, to find the things that readers like, and that can help you in your own fiction. So I've been reading a lot more purposefully lately.
0: Was Chris in any way an inspiration for your decision to write The Juggling Author?
1: Um, My inspiration for writing The Juggling Author had mostly to do with the fact that I wanted to write a nonfiction book. Okay. Uh, I, I, I just, I wanted to, to break into nonfiction. It's something that I see quite a lot of other authors do, uh, and so I wanted to get into nonfiction. Um, but I couldn't, for a while, I couldn't figure out what was going to be my hook, you know, because... I think if you, you know, there's there's plenty of beginning to end how to write a book books out there. And so I didn't want to write another one of those. But then, you know, like Chris Fox has his um, five thousand words an hour, and there's things like like Brian Cohen's how to write a sizzling synopsis. There are all these books that were very niche in how to do a specific thing. So I knew I wanted to write that. And so I had to take a, a long, hard look at my own skills and talents and say, What's the what's the one thing that I can do? that that maybe isn't already covered out there in the nonfiction market. And so I I thought, you know, the one thing that I'm very good at is time management and how to write a lot of books really fast while I've got a lot else going on. And so I thought there's probably a lot of people out there who could benefit from from my experience and my knowledge. And so that's really where the book came from.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Time management, you mentioned it, so let's transition there. Um, Are you... When it comes to time management, are you really protective of your time, or are you pretty flexible in that, well, I, I, I've i got to get the writing done, but it doesn't have to be over lunch. I, if my wife wants to have lunch with me, I'll have lunch with her, and I'll I'll carve out time somewhere else. How protective of you are your writing time?
1: I'm as protective as I can be without trying to endanger my marriage.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Great
1: answer. Um, You know, one of the things that I'll that I'll do is, you know, because I'm I'm busy and my wife is also busy and she ends up having to do work in the evening sometimes. And so there's a constant, you know, balancing act and there's a lot of bargaining between us where if if she will come to me and, you know, she'll say this Wednesday, I'm I want to go to my book club and I'll say, okay you know, that's great. I want you to go be able to go to your book club but let's figure out a time then later in the week where I can have some uninterrupted time too because, you know, if she's at book club, then I'm in single dad mode for the evening and I'm not getting anything done. Right, right. So then she'll give me two hours on Sunday morning so that I can focus just on my fiction and she will watch the toddler. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of that give and take. There's a lot of that bargaining. And so I I think to be to be a very busy juggling author, you have to – be able having a supportive spouse or having supportive significant other or family is pretty important. And if you if you don't have that, then you're in for a much tougher road.
0: When you're editing, are you able to do the same thing where you're able to just like carve out 20 minutes and just go in and focus on editing? Is it basically the same process for you when you're revising?
1: Yeah, editing's a lot easier. Uh, because I, I firmly believe that in in first draft, what I do is I write short. I write short and fast and that, and the first drafts are usually much shorter than the final product is going to be. And I know that's, that's very counter to what a lot of people believe. A lot of people believe you write X words and then you go back and you cut 10% and I do the opposite. And so when I'm in first draft, I basically ignore all my other admin tasks, except for the stuff that absolutely can't be ignored. You know, when I'm in first draft, I'm not going to be pausing to review editor feedback on a different project I'm not going to be contacting promotion sites. I'm just focused on that. Uh, but when I'm in second and third draft, I have a lot more flexibility because it's not as important that, you know, I'm not keeping a million things in my head at one time when I'm in second draft as I am in first draft. So second draft is quite a bit more flexible. I don't have to be as protective of that time. I can, you know, sit down and edit a scene and then go, you know, like respond to fan emails or, or email with a cover designer or um, like w- lately I've been, uh, I'm doing a couple audiobook versions of my books on ACX and that takes up an inordinate amount of time. And so if I were in first draft mode, I would be ignoring all the, that ACX stuff and say it can wait till later. But, but when I'm in second and third draft mode, I can bounce back and forth between tasks pretty easily.
0: What's taking up so much time for you with the ACX stuff?
1: Well, uh, just talking with the narrators about different things, um, you know, like how certain things should sound and then every audio file has to be reviewed. So, you know, longer books, I'm I'm listening through all the denoting mistakes and then going back to the narrator and say, I think this part we could do this way, or there's a mistake here. And when I say a lot of time, I don't mean, you know, like weeks and weeks worth of time, but, but for me, two hours is a lot of time for something because I'm so busy.
0: Okay. Um, let's talk about outsourcing. You've mentioned cover designers. You've mentioned editors. What else do you outsource? Uh, I and outsource. your covers are fantastic, by the way. And I'll, I'll post a couple in the show notes for people and links to your books at at Amazon. But I mean, you've got a really well defined brand for your for your different. Well, for your right for your fiction, it, it's very oh, well you. defined and and really well done.
1: Well, thank you. Um, some of the things that I outsource are basically a lot of admin tasks. You know, I I'm very familiar with HTML and CSS, so I do some of my own web design stuff on my own site. But sometimes I, I look at a task like that and say, you know, I could do this, but it might take me several minutes a day for a week, or I can just pay someone sixty dollars to go in and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've used a, a couple of different VAs for tasks like reaching out to book bloggers. Um, I don't really do that very much anymore now that my mailing list is big enough that I can have enough arc readers, you know, for release day reviews, but basically things like that for like reaching out to promotion sites, reaching out to book bloggers. Um, I can outsource a lot of that kind of stuff and I I recommend that most people do because for me, time and money are at least interchangeable and often time is way more valuable than money. So if I can literally afford it and it saves me time to work on other things, then I would outsource most things. The, the one thing that I would absolutely recommend people not outsource is interacting with fans. Um, I answer every fan email myself. I answer every you know, Facebook message to my author page myself. I would say do not outsource those things because for me, that, that connection with, with fans so they know that it's really me answering them, that's important. That's really important to me.
0: How much time in a given day or week do you spend on social media?
1: Uh, that varies. Um, I don't spend a whole lot of time posting. Most of that, most of that posting kind of stuff I do in clusters. Okay. Uh, because, you know, uh, f- my Facebook author page and um, YouTube, you can post a lot of that stuff in advance. And so like for, for Twitter and stuff, I use a, um, a tool called Status Brew that allows you to just drop in a bunch of posts and then they auto cycle. Mm-hmm. So I don't even really pay attention to Twitter at all anymore. But for things like Facebook and YouTube and my blog, I schedule a lot of that out in advance. So if I know I've got these projects and these giveaways and these other things, maybe every couple of months I'll spend a day or two of my productive time just lining all that up uh, so that I don't have to worry about it as it goes along. And then the only thing is I just have to hit my deadlines. Right. So, so most of my social media time is on Facebook and it's mostly in author groups. It's mostly in places like this Brian Cohen selling for authors or the 20 books to 50 K group. And what I'm, I'm not trying to sell books there. Mostly what I'm doing is networking with other authors, just, um, you know, like trying to be a part of the community when people Post their covers to those groups. I go in and I, you know, give feedback and I give feedback on blurbs. So I'm really just trying to spend most of my time networking and paying it forward with other authors, just to be part of the community.
0: Are you going by any chance to the uh, Twenty Books Vegas conference?
1: I'm not this year. I'm going to the Writers Police Academy. So that's oh, my. Oh, that
0: is oh, that, I'm jealous. That's something I. That's on my bucket list
1: yeah I'm pretty excited that's uh, gonna be in August of 2017 and I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I wanted to go for a couple of years but just couldn't find the time so I made the time this year and I'm pretty excited to go learn about how I've been doing everything wrong in my crime fiction for the last couple of years. <laughs> everybody
0: I know that's that's gone to that just raves about it so that's gonna be that's gonna be awesome. Let's close um by talking about working um working a job there there is this mindset amongst a lot of authors, that the goal is to become a a full-time writer. And that's an admirable goal, but you have to understand that there are costs to becoming a full-time writer. Um, health insurance, taxes, all of the things that if you're working a job are taken care of for you, they go away if you're running your own author business, and that's, that's providing the income for everything. So for example, if you're making $60,000 a year on your job, you cannot replace that with $5,000 a month worth of revenue from Amazon. It's just, it's not an apples to apples comparison. You've got to make a lot more to do that. But there are obviously some Uh, some drawbacks to not being a full-time author. So I I just want to ask you as someone who is still working and being very productive as a writer, uh, what do you see as some of the benefits of staying in your job?
1: Well, I think for me, I'm lucky because I enjoy my day job. If I hated my day job, if I was assembling widgets at a factory and I hated making widgets, it might be a completely different ballgame. Because I, I don't have any designs at least right now to quit my day job. Maybe if I started making so much money from my books that I had no choice. But like you talked about the health insurance, there's also for me, there's also 401k, there's life insurance, and there's disability insurance. Mm-hmm. And so these things these things are pretty important. you know it's important that I be able to uh, take my son to the doctor to his uh, toddler appointments without paying out of pocket. Or paying you know ridiculous amount for private health insurance and so working for a company that provides me with all these things having the security of disability insurance because if if you're an author and your foot gets run over by a bus as it drives by you're kind of out of luck um, but I, I I'm able to have those things and so I enjoy the job and I have no designs of quitting it and for me a lot of that is because I don't have to because I've figured out how to be productive, mm-hmm. how to be creatively fulfilled and put out a lot of quality fiction in a short amount of time. Now, if I if that day job suddenly turned into, instead of about 40 hours a week, if it turned into 80 hours a week, that might be a different story as well. So I think for a lot of people, I would advise you, if you want to quit your day job, try to hold on to it for as long as possible because of those things that you mentioned, like taxes, and health insurance and disability and 401k if you can hold on to your day job for longer try just try instead of making designs for how you can get away from your day job as quickly as possible just try to learn how to become more productive maybe yeah, that's, that's all you need to do
0: that's a great idea and, and we'll go back to the idea that we talked about earlier in in the show um how work fills the time that's available if if you're a full-time author you've got a lot of time for your writing and I talk to a lot of full-time writers who don't have time to get everything done, yet if they were still working their, their day job, they'd still get 90 percent of what they need to get done accomplished uh, through the course of, uh, of a given week. Uh, what, what do you – what are you not able to do that you wish you could do because you're still working?
1: Uh, maybe spend my mornings hiking. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe go to the gym every day and spend my mornings hiking if I had more free time I don't know if I would use it to be more productive I would probably um, I would probably waste a lot more of it <laughs> but you know I, I would probably if I had a lot more free time productively I might, write under more pen names you know i have one pen name that i used so i might start a couple others because having a pen name is a lot of work maintaining all those other websites and social media and stuff mm-hmm. but that's probably what i would do i would write in more genres under different pen names
0: this show is going out on july 17th your book comes out on the 18th i believe right
1: mm-hmm, that's the, right
0: the juggling author where can people find it
1: you could go to the dot com And you can – if you get it on Amazon today or tomorrow, it's still at $0.99 before it goes up to the regular price after launch week.
0: Okay, and where can people find you? Is thejugglingauthor.com the best place? You can
1: find me there. You can also find me at jimheskett.com. That's H-E-S-K-E-T-T. Uh, and you can find me where finer ebooks are sold.
0: Ah, everywhere fine ebooks are <laughs> sold. Jim, thank you so much for being here. I uh, it's, it's early in the morning where you are um, when we're doing this, so thanks for waking up early. Well, you're not waking up early, but thanks for changing your schedule um, to educate us today.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Stephen. This has been great.
0: And thanks to everyone for listening. As always, we'll have show notes with links to everything we mentioned, including links to the juggling author at theauthorbiz.com. All right, that is this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And again, a reminder about Close to the Bones. I would love it if you would go to Amazon and pick up a copy. You can get there by going to theauthorbiz.com slash Reggie, or you can just search for Close to the Bone at amazon.com. Uh, read close to the uh, end. Er, and that is this week's show. So thanks for listening. I always appreciate everyone listening all the way to the end. I rarely have a message at the end, but I do this week. Uh, I would love it if you would go to Amazon and pick up a copy of Close to the Bones. You can either go to Amazon, search for it, or you'll find a link in the show notes for this episode, or go to theauthorbiz slash Reggie, uh, pick up a copy, and let me know what you think of Reggie Carpenter. My, the, my story in the anthology is called Catching the Edge. And again, that was plotted on a semi-live basis during episode 89 of the Taylor Stevens show. So if you're at all interested in hearing how that took place, it's kind of a fun show. um, Check out episode 89 of the show. I'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next Monday.